If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to James uh, chapter 3. Uh, James chapter 3. Uh, our pursuit here at Merge, let me just get this out of the way. Our pursuit here is uh, to make much of God with our lives as we respond to the incredible adventure He has made possible for us in Jesus by sending His Son to be both our Lord and our Savior. And we believe that when we press into Him and we allow His love to flourish, our love for Him to flourish, that that has a way of spilling over uh, in how we treat, how we see, how we care for uh, people who are around us. Not just around us in our church community, but also around us in the communities that, that we live in. Anyway, so we, we strive uh, each week to kind of keep this on the front of our minds. And my prayer is that it does stay on the front of your mind. So I, I love hearing um, moments uh, where you are irritated with me uh, because of certain things that we say here on, on Sundays at Merge. For instance, like our desire this week is to love God by loving people. Yes, I love those moments where you say, I don't like that all the time. And, uh, and then I love saying, well, the Bible says so, so you need to do that. And, uh, but, but we do this because as we read the Bible, we see that, that God's royal love revolves around two thoughts. Uh, that we would have a deep and abiding love uh, for God, uh, for what He has done for us, and, we would, uh, and then we would have a deeper love for people. And as we read James, uh, which is what we've been doing the last couple weeks, uh, as we've been walking through this, this is exactly what uh, James is pushing us towards as we look at our adventures. And, and so uh, what I appreciate really is, is in his voice, in James's voice, uh, is how willing he is to expose uh, deception uh, and how willing he is to push us towards evaluating whether or not our faith is genuine. And... Uh, and, and or is our faith some sort of facsimile that uh, James doesn't do this by saying, hey, you need to talk to somebody, but rather he says, you need to look in a mirror. You need to evaluate your life and ask yourself, am I deceiving myself? And so, so far, uh, we've been asking about our faith in regards to, to how we handle trials and how we seek wisdom and uh, asking are we doers of the word or just hearers of what God is telling us to do? Uh, we've been asking, how, what about our faith when it comes to how we view people in the biblical co- uh, community? Whether or not they, um, whether we treat them differently if they roll in here on a, in a Lexus or a Mitsubishi Mighty Max. Uh, which, if you know, that's Mark's um, claim to fame. Uh, he drove the ugliest Mitsubishi Mighty Max. Uh, known to mankind in high school, um, and so, um, but but we do, do we choose to play favorites in in that realm or not? Um, and then last week uh, we were talking about um, when it comes to our faith, are we putting our faith into action or are we just claiming that we love Jesus uh, with our lives, but yet there's no fruit that's actually coming out of that kind of pursuit. And, and so, so again, our desire is to make much of God for what He has done for us in Jesus. And, and if our steps are to help those who are far from God find life in Christ, then we have to be aware of are we growing in our faith or are we stagnant? And then James would say, uh, it, maybe, maybe you need to evaluate if you have faith at all. And, 
And, and so, so because here's what we know. We can fool each other, right? We can come in here on Sunday and we can give a, an image of how the week is, right? Um, we can even try to fool ourselves, as James will say, uh, but no one makes a fool of God. And so if our faith is to be genuine, it has to be pressing in more and more. And, and so these chapters that we're in are, are great help to us because they, they serve as a light, uh, the light of God's Word, that it can shine into the places of our lives and help us see paths toward, toward health and uh, joy and peace. And, and now where he goes today uh, is perhaps, uh, perhaps the most revealing of our of our lives because what James is going to do is he's going to shine light in on uh, our tongues and he's going to show us the dangers that are lurking and the sin that at times will hide behind our words uh, and so uh, let's let's get into this and let's pray Father we thank you this morning because you love us we thank you this morning because you care for us deeply through your Son. And we pray as we get uh, into these 12, 13 verses that we would be very mindful today of, uh, uh, of our willingness at times to put up defenses. Our willingness at times to justify our actions and that we would just honestly come before you with our hearts open, asking you to speak to us in incredible ways. And Father, we rely on your Holy Spirit to open our ears today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right, so, so I read somewhere recently, uh, which is usually a pastor's way of saying, I think this is true, it might not be. Um, but, but I read somewhere recently that the average person every day uses enough words to fill up a 50-page book. Okay? So, so by the time a year goes by, you will have spoken, uh, you could fill up 132 books uh, each 200 pages. Uh, that by the time at the end of your life, you will have uh, spent it with 20% of your time with your mouth open. Uh, that's that's one-fifth of your life you will have spent uh, talking. And now that's the average person. Uh, I think if you were um, the 12-year-old girl named Kana who lives in my house, that number would skyrocket. Is that fair assessment? Like 80, 85% of the time talking? Yeah? Okay. Um, so, so, needless to say, we, we spend a lot of time with our mouths open. And what that does is it presents opportunities. Uh, it gives us opportunities to either build up or to tear down those who are around us. And, and James is going to give us a very honest thought about the power of the tongue. And what I'd like to do, though, uh, as we talk about the tongue this morning, I want to add a caveat uh, an area of life that I don't believe James would have had to deal with, where he's going to talk about how we use our words, you will think it's about controlling the mouth. Okay, I'm going to add a caveat because I believe uh, James didn't have to deal with this, but old man Geary uh, is beginning to think uh, that it, this one area of our lives may be worse than actually the words coming out of your mouth and this being the dangers of the tongue, but also the dangers of the keyboard. Because the keyboard speaks in our society in ways that the tongue never would. Okay? And so, uh, so if you're a smooth talker but a keyboard bully, uh, I just want to let you know you're not excluded uh, from this morning. 
All right, we're going we're gonna to talk openly and honestly about what's really at play here. Uh, but so, so, so we're going to spend some time walking with this, and we're going to spend some time uh, in Luke 6. I'm sorry, I should have said that. James, James 3 and Luke 6, uh, toward the end of our time, we're going to see what Jesus says about what's really at play here uh, when our words are out of control. Uh, and so let's, let's dive in here. Uh, James chapter 3. Alan, you're ready to go? All right, thank you, sir. Uh, not many of you, all right, this is how he opens, all right, and we'll, we'll get to this, all right? Not many of you should become teachers, uh, because you're an idiot. No, that's what he says. My brothers. Uh, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. All right, next, next slide. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and they are driven by strong winds and they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by, by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is, is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James, tell us how you really feel about this matter, right? For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring uh, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce fruits? Which is, it's kind of a joke for them because everybody's like, oh, but we don't get that because we don't plant stuff, right? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Okay, so here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to tackle this in two thoughts to carry us through these verses. And the first thought in your talk notes you can fill out simply is this, that our words navigate the direction of our lives. Our words navigate the directions of our lives. And so, so chapter 1, James gave us, if you'll remember, James gave us a helpful tool, right? He comes in and he says, we should be, we should be quick to, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we should be quick to listen, we should be slow to speak, we should be slow to become angry. And I think one of our, our biggest issues in life is that we are talkers before we are listeners and we are feelers before we are thinkers. Okay, that's a good thought. You need to hear that. That some of the issues in our life is that we are talkers before we are listeners, and we are feelers before we are thinkers. And so James tells us in chapter one: be slow to speak, uh, be quick to listen, be slow to become angry. And so our words are powerful because they steer where we are going uh, with our lives. Kelly uh, Sweeney will do this from time to time and make us feel really bad about it. Uh, we'll say something and she'll say, "Your words are powerful." You know, even though we're just being idiots and being ridiculous, she's like, your words are powerful, you know. Uh, and she, she says it exactly like that. That's exactly how she sounds. 
Um, but she's right. You can spend some time in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to give you four Proverbs that uh, are helpful. I think we listed them. In, did we put them in your talk notes? Uh, you can go back and check these out. Uh, it says this, Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Proverbs 12.18, There is one who, uh, whose rash words are like a sword thrust. You ever... You ever have somebody say a hard word to you, a harsh word to you, and it felt like a dagger? All right, this is where we get that image from. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs eleven nine: uh, With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. Proverbs fifteen one and two. Uh, and I love this one. I say this all the time to people. That mainly because it's one of the only ones I can memorize. Uh, that a soft answer turns away much wrath. A soft answer turns away much wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And you're like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> That's almost too simple. That a, that a soft answer turns away much wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. Okay, so, so our words have a way of navigating our lives. And I believe if we're honest with ourselves, we can agree in the power of words. We, we, can, we, we have to hold close to those moments of our lives uh, when words played a role in building us up, right? Uh, and then we can, we can identify the times in our lives that, that a word had been said to us that, that we felt crushed underneath it that we felt broken underneath the words of other people. Or, we feel the remorse because we know when, when we can use a word as a weapon and we've seen the devastation that it has caused. And so, because this is true, James opens with this warning about those hoping to lead the church in teaching. And he says it's especially dangerous for them because uh, the, the person... Uh, who the teacher of error has the potential of not only destroying himself, but the entire community. Uh, and so, uh, to poison the entire community. And this is w- the way we try to combat that here. This fly is going to hang around all day. I've done so well for so long, I can't do it. Mark, if this fly hits me again, I'm going home. All right? Um, but, but the way we try to combat that here at Merge is we, we come in... And anything that is spoken or taught from this platform, uh, no matter if it's me, one of the elders, guest speaker, all of it gets held up to the light of the word. Uh, because here's what I know. I have opinions that are immature. I have thoughts that aren't fully developed. Okay? But when we walk with the word and we hold everything that we hear up to that, and this is some of you need to do this. Okay? Because some of you will tell me, hey, I heard so-and-so on the radio the other day, and they said this, and I'm like, that's not good. So you hold those things always up to the lie of the Word. You don't just take for granted uh, the fact that, well, I'm sure he knows what he's talking about because somebody allowed him today to stand up with a mic. Okay? You always hold what is being taught by anyone up to the lie of the Word. And where there's a disagreement in those things, just like in your life, the fault's not on the Word, it's on the speaker. And so James says, hey, as you come in, be careful, right? If you want to try to, what you would consider climbing the ladder... You need to be very mindful of that because there's a stricter judgment for those who are teaching because they 
had the possibility of not only leading themselves astray, but they can lead other people astray in them not knowing that they are a million miles away from where they need to be. So, so for this reason, uh, it's so important that he comes in and, and he expresses three illustrations about how the, the tongue it controls things. And, and he gives us you know, three. He says, first one being, uh, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, uh, we guide the whole bodies as well. Now, a, a, a horse is a beautiful animal. Uh, and it can weigh between about 800 to 2,200 pounds, depending on uh, which kind of horse you got. And what's fascinating to me about it is that you can have uh, Finley Hard, who is about 50 pounds, right? Uh, who, if you get a big enough gust of wind, she stumbles and she falls, right? But yet you can put her on top of that animal and she can control it just with her arms. She can just lean one way and she can force a horse to go wherever she wants to go. And, and, and so, and the point is that the tongue takes us where we end up. And so having control over it is important if you want to end up in a certain place. Then he talks about, look at ships. He says, they also, uh, they are so large and are driven by strong winds and they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member and it boasts uh, great things. Uh, and so, so similar thought here that the rudder of a boat is very small in comparison to the engine or to the wind, right? And yet, uh, it has a very simple function where it just goes this way or that way, right? And depending on where it goes determines where the ship ends up. And so, so as James is talking about the tongue, he's like, you need to be mindful of where your tongue is steering you because you can end up at the resort or you can end up shipwrecked on the side of a cliff. One of those two things. And now, uh, have, have you ever been in a conversation where your words shipwrecked the relationship? And let's ask this question. Was that the intention going in? I mean, rarely in life do you say, you know, I think we're getting a fight to the point today that I've ruined this relationship forever. Right? And if so, you've, you've already lost the battle. If you're like, yeah, we're going to go in this one today. And so, the control of the tongue is the way it works with our speech. And then he gives us this, this, this third illustration of a fire. How, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and a bird and a reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Again, uh, James, I think, has um, some very specific views about the, the power of the tongue. That we can, we can tame an elephant, we can tame a dolphin, an eagle, but not the tongue. It says, how great a forest is set a, a fire, ablaze by such a small fire. How, how great a conflict erupts from the smallest statement. How deep a relationship can you have by saying just three simple words? <laughs> so our words, it has a way. And some of our our highest and our lowest moments in human history are sparked through rhetoric. 
You can have in, you can have uh, President Kennedy say something like, "Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country." Right? And it can it can just light us up. And you can go, you can you can go to the uh, read like the Gettysburg Address, and you're like, man, w- the power of words changes things. And great things can come out of our words. But then for every one of those, you can have, you realize this, that, that Hitler, he sparked a nation through his words. And it led to a holocaust. It led to world domination. And so being mindful of this is so important that the tongue navigates the direction of your lives. And we're going to get to why James calls it a restless evil full of deadly poison in a moment. Um, since since our, our tongue is revealing something else that's at play. But first, let's get here to number two, uh, that, that our words reveal the progress of our faith. Your words reveal the progress of your faith. That uh, Verse number nine, uh, with it, with your tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From, from the same mouth come both blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring uh, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? No. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And I think, I think the end of verse 10 penetrates my heart. And it should draw us towards repentance and confession and seeking forgiveness with both God and man. With the lips we, we sing the King is among us. And with the lips we yell at our kids. We curse entire people groups. We, we let people know what we really think when they've failed to live up to our expectations, whether they're expressed or not, right? Because unexpressed uh, expectations should be held accountable to all expectations that you have in your life. We curse entire people groups um, for not having the same views as we do. We scream our displeasure about circumstances in our lives. And James says, my brothers, this should not be so. That God has redeemed your heart for a great purpose. It's to proclaim the goodness and the majesty of God. That's what you get. As a Christian, that's now what your, heart, what your mouth becomes a megaphone for. For building up. For showing love to. In verse 11 and 12, it explains why. He talks about waters and figs and olives. And this is all this attempt to draw you to the gospel. Because if you are found in Christ, there are different fruits produced with your life. This is what we've been saying for a couple weeks now. If you are in Christ, there is a different fruit that gets produced in your life. You've been cleansed with pure water, so don't try to go back. Don't try to use your mouth in a way that pollutes the fresh water that Christ has made available. And we know this because even in our safest and our most loving relationships, we still remember painful and hurtful words that we said or were said to us. Is that fair? That no matter how much you love your spouse, there, was a, there has been a moment you have said something or something was said to you and you, you're like, that's, that's there forever. I love them through that. I forgive them for that. 
And that's still there. And I think our issue is we're much too casual with what comes out of our mouth. And, and James is going to help us see a better way that there should be no hypocrisy in our words. We should be able to bless God with pure lips because He has cleansed us from our unwickedness in, in our, our wickedness uh, in Christ. And, and now please don't misunderstand me. Uh, James is not saying that, hey, if you can learn to control your words, uh, then all the other circumstances in your life will work itself out. Because that's, that's, that's absolutely not what he's saying. Um, but rather the work and at times the fight to control your tongue drives you to something that is something else that is happening and is the challenge. Uh, and so when we talk about the issue in controlling the tongue, our, I think it's our last blank we're filling in, uh, the, the main issue when it comes to controlling the tongue is the heart. Is the heart. Hey, Alan, were you telling Barry Kay I'm about to press the space bar? All right, there we go. Uh, main issue in controlling the tongue is the heart. It's the heart. And there, there are a few places we can go to see this kind of flesh itself out in, in Jesus' words. Uh, one of them, we're going to go to Luke 6, but one of them, another one is, is Matthew 15, uh, where Jesus will come in and He will tell us that, that what goes into the mouth goes through uh, the body, through the stomach, out the body, but what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And He'll say there are things resting in the unregenerated heart, things like murder, and anger, and jealousy, and adultery, and sexual morality, and just a ton of things. You're like, oh, none of those are good. None of them. So this is why we join as Christians with the psalmist uh, in Psalm 51 when he cries out, Create in me a new heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And this is what happens. We, we do this, and I always, I always joke around with Misty about how, making sure we're theologically in line here, um, that, that when we talk to kids about um, accepting Jesus as their Savior, we use this common phrase of, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? Uh, and I'm like, well, that's technically not what we're doing. That's the Holy Spirit that you're asking to indwell. But, you know, uh, but the idea is simply this, that Jesus changes your heart. Because what was happening in your heart before isn't, wasn't good. It was deadly. As James would say, it was a poison. It was a restless evil. It was set on fire by hell. He's saying the heart of the issue really is the heart of the issue. And this is why we cry out, renew a steadfast spirit within me, that apart from the work of God through Jesus, we would have no hope in having any sort of control over our tongue, but the, the problem is not our tongue, it's in our hearts. And this is where we need to go. Luke chapter 6. Jesus says these words, For no good tree... Alright, we're, we're getting to 45. That's the big one. Uh, but I wanted, to, I wanted us to start here. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Okay? For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Uh, and again, I think the farmers in the crowd are like, oh, that's, that's funny. Um, now, don't worry, because if, if Jesus isn't really going to talk agriculture here, uh, he's leading us somewhere, and he's about, in verse 45, to remove the confusion. The good person 
out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil out of his evil treasure produces evil. And then he says something that is huge. If you like to underline your Bible, this is a good one. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth, what? Speaks. For out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth speaks. So what is resting and wrestling and rolling around in the heart comes out of our mouths. And now we, what this does for me, I don't know if it does this for you, but it does it for me, is it now gives me an excuse for every word that slipped out of my mouth that I wish I didn't say. Because it's told me it was here long before it was here. It was here long before it was here. We can understand why at times we, we will use words as a weapon to destroy. We can see why James tells us that the tongue is so hard to control because our words serve as symptoms of a deeper issue. When, when our words are running wild, it's the reflection of a heart that's not at peace. And let's be honest that when we say those things that we shouldn't have said, it's because something in our heart is not at peace. Look at, look at verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and then vice versa. Is this not the message James has been pressing in our heart for a few weeks now, that there's a difference made when you cherish Christ as your Lord and Savior? Your, your words of jealousy reveal something about your heart. Your, your words of anger reveal something about your heart. Your words of bitterness reveal something about your heart. Your, heart, your, your words of pain, it reveals something about your heart, because out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. And now here's what, here's what we typically try to do, because we are symptom-minded people, right? You say, man, okay, I think if I just put a cuss jar, you know, in my house, right? Or maybe a, a positive statement jar in my house, so every time I say something negative, I got it. Here's the thing, you could put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars into those jars, and they will never bring you to a place unless your heart becomes set right. Never. Now, if you'd like to do one and give me the cash, knock yourself out. Alright? I'm pulling for you, sort of. <laughs> that it will never, you will never clean up your mouth until your heart joins in a desire to take to God your pain, your remorse, your sin that's resting there. And, and for some, the pain and the remorse and the sin that has buried, buried itself deep. Where you say, I don't know, I don't know if it can ever be unearthed again. And it can. And it should. Some of us have bought to this, this lie that because there's been so much anger and resentment or bitterness in our hearts that we've convinced ourselves that, that anger, resentment, and bitterness, it's our identity. And it's not. It's not. We bring that to the surface. We bring it to the light of God's Word so that He can help us work through that into health. Into health. And in Christ, you are a, a new creation. He's given you a new heart. And out of the abundance of the Gospel, this new heart leads to a new mouth. All right, let's start, let's start wrapping this up, okay? Uh, Chris, Chris is over in his time, by the way, today. Um, 
So where do we take this? Okay? Where do we take this? Because this is, the, this is what James has done. I don't know if you paid attention. Uh, James has said, hey, I'm not a fan of the tongue. It's dangerous. But yet he doesn't give us an application, right? He doesn't say, well, this is what you got to do. Now we can infer that, hey, I have to get control over my tongue. And, and we've, went, we've gone to Luke 6 where Jesus says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And so we can connect some dots. And, but and now I think really next week, uh, James is going to try to address uh, how we get to working towards controlling our tongue. Uh, but, but for today, I, I want to invite you to simply examine your heart by following your words. The words that you use. How you choose to speak to one another. How you choose to speak to your kids, your spouse, the people who annoy you. The words that you use, the conversations you choose to have about other people. Did you stick your tongue out at me, Kana? She did. That was rude. That hurt my heart. Um, so what... You follow your, your heart by paying attention to where your words are going. There's a, there's a psalm I love. Psalm 1914 says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What if, what if this week our words were guarded around that simple prayer? Let the words of my mouth, then let the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That if our, our desire really is to love God by loving people this week, that, that our words would be a reflection of our hearts and we would be for people. I mean, crazy notion, right? That the church would be for people. But at the end of the day, we would ask God, not at the end of the day, that's a horrible idea. Throughout the day, Throughout your moments of, of, of conversation, you would evaluate, is this, are my words going to build up or tear down? Are my words going to be sinful or are they going to be holy? Which, by the way, is what God is doing with your mouth. He's redeeming your mouth for holiness. And what I say... Is it being steered by what I am allowing to be here? And so for some of us, the, the only way you do this, the only way you're going to end up being able to do this is dealing with some of the things in here. Because in Christ you are a new creation. And you say, well, I've been wounded. I've been scarred. And so you ask God to create in you a new heart. And you say, I have wounded others. I have scarred others. And so you ask first for forgiveness from God, and then you have the courage to go ask for forgiveness for the ones that you have hurt and wounded and scarred. That's how we work 
in unity with one another. I love you guys. My desire this week is to love God. Bye. All right. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, we're going to make a couple things available. We do this every week because it's important every week. If you need someone to pray with you today, uh, the Hansons and the Woodwards, they're going to be right outside this door. We, we want to pray with you. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. We, we want to give you that opportunity. Maybe, maybe you do have some things you need to kind of pray through. You need someone to, to come alongside you and love on you for. That's what church community is about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you love us. We worship you because you love us and we, we don't deserve that. And Father, as we've talked, as we've spoken about our words today, I pray you would help us deal with the issues of our hearts. And this week we would be able to speak in a way and to think and feel in a way that is pleasing to you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.